find out if you're ready for love. Here's your marvelous host, Nikki Lee. Hello, and welcome to Ready for Love Radio. This is your host and love coach, Nikki Lee. You know, from time to time, I'll have a true crime story that we talk about, and we talk to the author and kind of dig into this, the story and get the details and, and just find out more. Now, let me tell you the reason that this story grabbed my attention and I wanted us to talk about it. I think that the topic of sex trafficking is something people hear about and maybe kind of don't really want to hear the details, don't really want to know that it goes on, or think, oh, that happens in other countries. That doesn't happen in the U.S. But, you know, it, it is something that happens in this country, and my guest is going to tell us that, that it does. I know very little of the details of this. I, don't, I really don't know any more than, than on the book description on Amazon. But I, I saw a post about a book about this, and as soon as I did, I reached out to the author, and I said, I want to have you on the show, and I want you to share details with my listeners, because this is, this is something that I think is very misunderstood in this country, and, and other countries as well, and I really think for the safety of people of all ages, especially young people, I really, really think that people just need to hear what's really happening out there. So I want to introduce my guest, uh, Jack Watch, and I think many of you may have heard of Jack. So Jack, it's great to have you with me. Well, thank you so much. It's, uh, it's good to be here. I, I saw this. I had no idea you had this book, and I, I saw that, and I said, wait a second. That's an interesting title. So, you know, you, you've got this book. Um, and well, and the title caught me because I I never heard of the Three Commas Club. I and I went, wait a minute, Three Commas could could that possibly be about money? But that that made sense immediately. But the title of the book is the Three Commas Club: A True Story of Sex Trafficking, Pedophilia, and Murder. And I'm I'm very how do I say this without sounding morbid but i'm very into true crime stories i've always been into mysteries and you know i at a very young age i heard the you know truth is stranger than fiction thing and of course i've i've also written a mystery and in my other novels are all suspense um and of course i'm a huge hitchcock fan you know so i mean i i like things that are or i'm just intrigued by mysteries and that sort of thing um, and I, I think we need to be aware and realistic about what's happening around us. From time to time, I'll do a show, and I, I, also, I call them my PSA, my public service announcement shows, to helping to bring to light and bring more awareness to things that I just really think people need to understand more to be safer. So those are some of the reasons that I really wanted to have you on the show, Jack. Well, there are, a lot of, there are a lot of women that go missing, a lot. Yeah. It isn't just a, yeah. a few that make the national news. There are right. a bunch, uh, and, and small right. children, too, although my story is more about, um, about uh, young ladies that are 
essentially 16, 15, 16, maybe 17, but not 18. Um, they're below okay. the age of consent. So that that kind of the basis of this story. But let me let me give you a little background to begin with of about how I even got involved in this. How about um, we give a little little bit of background about you for people that haven't heard of you? Okay. Um, my first book, and the one that sold the most, I suspect, is um, Hi, My Name is Jack. That's my memoir. It's my story. And Simon & Schuster published it in 2011, and uh, it, was, it was named the Inspirational Memoir of the Year that year, which was, you know, that was kind of nice. And, I would um, say. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so people know me for that, and when they, and when they read the book, you know, they'll, they, you know, they will say things like, well, I don't care how messed up I am. I, my, my life wasn't as messed up as Jack's. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> yeah, because I was just, I was, I was raw and honest. And because right. I was and have been, and, and the things that I write are consistently that way, I've had a number of people ask me to write their memoirs. Um, I've, I've written five others for them, their stories. But one of my friends who I've known for quite a while, a woman I've named Emily, and in, in the, the book, The Three Commas Club, every single word is true, and I wrote it in real time, and because I was the one writing it and a participant at the same time, the only name that's accurate in there is mine. Okay. But it was, I sat down with Emily, and I thought, you know what, we were at a Starbucks, and I said, you know, this is, I, I thought, well, this, you know, I know her real well, and I need to at least listen, and, and you know, it, it would be just kind of gauche of me to say, you know, I don't really want to do something like this. She started in on this story, <clears throat> and by the time I listened for about an hour, I knew that I needed to write this book. And it was, uh, the name of it is, the, is, is, like you said, the Three Commas Club, and the name is, is based on if your wealth is so great that you have three commas in it, it means you are a billionaire. So right. this, this is a story of people who are mega rich and particularly about um, one man and, and what he did. And it had so many similarities to um, what happened with Jeffrey Epstein, that it was like, okay, um, this needs to come out. And as it, as it turned out, the, um, in the book I call the guy Magnus Rich, and uh, Magnus Rich and his sidekick, uh, who I call Bruiser, and you know, for because he he liked to beat people up, especially his wife, who was Emily. Um, right. They actually knew Epstein, and this story 
the, the deepest pathology of it happened in St. Thomas. Now, St. Thomas is uh, important for all of these stories. Um, uh, Epstein and, you know, um, Prince Philip, all the rest of them. And the reason is that in the islands, the only airport that is large enough to land their major jets is Charlotte Amelie on um, St. Thomas. So that's the hub. That's where they all went into. And, of course, you know, Epstein had his own little island off of there. And Magnus Rich had a five-star restaurant that was located on the island. Now, Emily, who is the, you know, the female protagonist, was married to a guy named Bruiser. And I called him Bruiser. To avoid taxes, and this is another thing about what all these people do and why they went down to the islands, um, some people had to live on the island for um, a half a year and a day, and um, Emily was the one that was chosen to do this, so she had to keep flying back and forth from um, living uh, in, in Nashville to St. Thomas, uh, to work. So she was supposed to go on a Friday and her husband texted her and said, you know, don't come, there's an emergency. And she'd already had the flight books and it, you know, it said, come Saturday. And, and she's like, well, so she calls Delta this is in season, and when it's in season, getting tickets to you know to go to St. Thomas or any of the islands was very was very difficult. Now l let me just also right here at the beginning give you the time frame. This was uh, 2003, 2004, 2005, all the way to 2008. So this is the this is the time frame all of this happened. So she couldn't get on the Saturday flight, but she had to be at the restaurant. Um, for her job, so she didn't know what to do, so she finally just said, you know, I've got the ticket, and I can't get down there until the following Tuesday, um, and, you know, I don't want Magnus to be mad at me for missing work, so I'm just going to go ahead and get on the plane and, you know, and um, text Bruiser while I'm going, and, and say, you know, um, just pick me up. Uh, and that's what she did, hoping for the best. When she got there, of course, he was livid, picked her up, brought her to the estate, and on the estate there were a number of little freestanding, um, little mini kind of houses. Okay. When she went into the one that they kind of, that they routinely stayed in, she went in, and the first thing she did, of course, was go, you know, go to the bathroom because, you know, um, Nashville's a long way away. And uh, while she's in yeah. there, he shuts the door and he locks her in. Now, here's, this is one of the key things about how these predators work. When they have these little house things, and this is, this is kind of a regular thing for them to do, the locks 
are on the outside, not on the inside. So once they get these girls in, they're captive. Now, he locked her in, uh, you know, late on Friday, and she just is furious and bangs on the door, and, you know, but uh, there's nobody to hear. She does uh, pulls, tugs, uh, nothing to eat, uh, ends up uh, going to bed and just, you know, getting up two or three times to see if he's come home in, in the late in the evening, and he hadn't. And so, you know, she she just is beside herself and furious. And then also, you know, like, you know, what's going to happen and, and scared. Right. In the morning, um, she, she finally fell asleep, woke up about nine um, after staying up half the night, and went to the door and tugged on it one more time. But because she had tugged on it so much, the lock was compromised on the outside and it just clicked open and she said oh my gosh so she's out so she uh, immediately starts walking to to where the larger house is to get a cup of coffee and while she is walking up the steps around the pool to go to the kitchen out of the master bedroom she hears a big thud she turns around and she sees two guys who look like who are so big that they look like sumo wrestlers, and they are carrying a woman um, in, in what we used to call, you know, a, a fireman's seat. Uh, I, I'm not sure everybody would remember what that is. So you, you, you know, but but essentially, they, you know, they were they were, and and she was lifeless. Magnus Rich came out of his master bedroom and threw his shoes at her. They hit her. She didn't move. And Emily instinctively pulls behind um, one of the pillars to kind of hide herself, but she didn't do a good enough job. Her husband saw her and came running and, and hit her like, uh, like somebody trying to take down a quarterback, you know, rushing them. Just uh, a former ballerina um, was staggered, but she didn't fall, and she knew better than to fall because if she did, she knew he would he would kick her. This is the kind of um, situation that happened. They took this girl away, and. As they were doing it, she turned and spotted the girl again, and it was like, oh, my God. That's the hostess at the restaurant. Oh, no. So she starts putting some things together. When... From that from that point on, she she raced back to where she was staying, locked herself back in, and just stayed there, just shaking. Um, at about one thirty in the afternoon, her husband came, opened the door, and said, "Lunch, your lunch is ready. Come eat it." Then uh, take a shower. You need to be at the restaurant a little bit early today, so you need to arrive by 3.30. So from that exact moment on, 
there was a no-talk rule about what had happened, mm-hmm. what she had seen. Now, this, this, is, this is kind of the, the pathology of how this works. Um, you know, when you see pictures of, of these girls that are trafficked, you see right. chains around them and them sitting, you know, in a cage and, and things like that. That's not really how it works. The, the imprisonment is from fear right. and intimidation. So once they have that, they know that you won't cross the line. Now, the reason that yeah, Emily... Well, once, you, once you've got the mental and emotional fear to a certain level, you don't need to be caged. Exactly. And quintessential post-traumatic stress. Right. All right. So, okay, well, this, she contacted me in 2019 about this and said, okay, well, why would she come out with it? And the reason was um, they had finally arrested Jeffrey Epstein, and when they started to um, – you know, when they put him in jail and everything, they started saying things. All of a sudden, it was like, oh, my gosh. He was doing exactly the same thing that Magnus Rich was doing. Right. And so she said, um, and she was a very principled Jewish lady. And she said, you know, I, I can't live with this. I can't let this, you know, go by. Um, these The people that I know, you know, are still out there and still doing this. So something needs to be done about this. So she, so she asked me about writing the story, and I said that I would do it. And our goal was to um, make it so detailed that in presenting it to the FBI, they would... Uh, take this guy down and all of the people that were around him. And, and it, is, it wasn't just him that was doing it. At, the, at this restaurant, all of these guests would come in and you know, they, would, they would order you know, their dinner, but the real entree was the host. Or the girl. Yeah. So they so they so they would uh, you know praise and uh, you know do I want this this girl and the way that they got the girls was they they had um, had a woman who was like the Ghislaine Maxwell, and she uh, lived down in the um, Florida Panhandle near Pensacola. So the target audience was runaway girls who were pretty and on the streets essentially you know they they you know and and the and the story would be hi how would you like to work as at the hostess for the season down in the islands in you know in St. Thomas um, in a five-star restaurant and you'll meet all of these super wealthy people that can help you be the model that you really want to be, be the actress exactly. that you really want to be, be the whatever the hell it was that they wanted to be, and these these girls would you know 
um, would see this woman, and she had this big diamond ring on, said, you know, it's my fiance who has the restaurant, and I'm, you know, I'm just, I just saw you, and I just thought, doggone, you would really fit well, and we really needed a hostess. Do you want to do it? Exactly. Yeah. So they had, uh, you know, one of these, you know, large Escalades or, you know, um, with tinted windows and drove to um, an airport um, outside of, uh, of um, I've forgotten the name of it right now, um, outside of Nashville. And, you know, it was, a, it was an airport that, you know, business people use, but certainly not the normal airport. And the guy was so rich he had his own hangar. No, of course. He, of course. He had two planes, two jets, but they took all of the surveillance cameras that were inside and turned them off and made it so that when this van, the Escalade, would drive in, take the girl or girls, load them onto the plane, and fly them, and once they're in, on the plane and they're, you know, they're in the air, their goose is cooked, so to speak. And so they, they would fly right. them to St. Thomas, but this was, you know, because St. Thomas is U.S. Virgin Islands, it's like, you know, um, going from Manhattan um, under the tunnel to, you know, to uh, Newark. Anybody can do that. You know, you don't have to have right. any papers to go between, uh, uh, at least not yet, between New York and, right. and New Jersey. And um, so there was nothing wrong with that. Now, of course, to take a minor across state line is a federal crime. All right, so now the story thickens. It, 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 there, it gets into, you know, Emily challenged her husband about some of the things that was happening because the entire wait staff and cooks and everything um, remained constant at this restaurant, but there were, was a new hostess every week or two, and that's because they were going through these girls, and, the, you know, these, these two big thugs were taking away a body, so they, you know, so... I don't know exactly how he killed her, but my assumption is it was through sexual, sexual asphyxiation. Now, these guys are, when I say they're predators, they even made hats for themselves that the label on the front, you know, the, it said crotch cannibal. Uh, okay. I won't get any deeper, because this stuff, yeah, I, that, that should tell you volumes about the depravity of these people. I, yeah, I, I got the point, though. That made it. Yeah. And um, some of these billionaires that were involved in this, if I mention their real names, you'd be horrified um, because, you know, your, your audience would know who they are. Now, um, I, 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 I don't do that for one really good reason. 
I want to stay alive. I was um, ready to say, yeah, I can, I can think of one or two really good reasons. This is a, you know, this is a, um, people that get involved with this end up dying, like Jeffrey Epstein. Right. Now, um, for example, those two guards that fell asleep in the jail, right. they, they did a toxicology of their, uh, uh, and both of them had um, nitrous oxide. So it wasn't that they both fell asleep on the job. They were put to sleep through the ventilating thing so that they wouldn't wake up. Uh, right. During, to, you know, when they killed Epstein. All right, now, right. That, that part of the Epstein story is really important because as soon as Jeffrey Epstein died, Emily changed her mind. She said, I, 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 you know, I don't want to do this. I don't want this out. I don't want the story. I, you know, uh, I don't, they're going to, you know, they'll kill me. They'll kill you. And so she became very, and she said, you know, I should have the right to say no. And, and I said, for me, and, and this is, you know, your, your, your listeners, so they'll, they'll have to kind of make a decision whether, whether they think I did the right thing or not. My whole thing was, well, now that I know about all of this, to not co come forward with it makes me an accomplice, an unwilling yeah, accomplice to murder, sex trafficking, and pedophilia. I'm not going to do that. Yeah, so I agree. Um, so that was my position. Her position was, I trusted you. You were my friend. And for you to go forward would be betraying our friendship. And my whole thing was, I'm not a friend at the level of being willing to be in a accomplice to murder. Duh. Right. You know, that just didn't yeah. make any sense to me at all. So Emily um, withdrew. I had already had all the story and was and was writing it and I thought, you know what? This is um, this is I gotta take it I, I gotta take it um, to somebody in authority. So, interestingly, one of my friends was um, was running for political office here in Atlanta, uh, running for you know um, Supreme Court judge. And I put up a post. I said, "Listen, I you know I I want all my friends to know that I'm supporting you know so and so, and that you know if if you would I you know I." That she's a good woman, and she would make a great Supreme Court justice. Vote for her. So the next, uh, so that that evening, I was just sitting um, around, uh, you know, uh, watching the Boston Celtics play a basketball game. And um, <laughs> I'm, you know, I grew up, I grew up in 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 Boston, so I'm, you know, I'm a, you know, 
Celtics, Red Sox, Patriots, <laughs> Bruins fan. Uh, th those things never change. All right. So um, she said, Jack, I'm you know, just thank you so much for putting that up. It said, you know, that was really um, very kind of you and everything. And and so I said to her, I said, um, I she used to be, you know, the state representative, my state representative in the General Assembly. And I said, um, if you got a few minutes, I want to I want to talk to you about something. She said, Yeah, sure. So I told her the story, and she's a lawyer, and um, running for a Supreme Court judge, she she knows the law and criminal law. When she got done, she said, um, "All right." Tell me the guy's name. I want to look him up on a on a on a website, you know, to see um, who he and his peers, who they are giving political donations to. I thought that was really very interesting, and that, that it would have interesting way to go. Yeah, that it would have any, and you know, and she said, "Oh, okay, all right. That means that I, you know, the person I was thinking that I would um, put you in contact with." Uh, you know, the, the, these people are heavy donors for you know for you know for the Republicans, and um, I'm I'm not sure that they would want to invest. I think not investigate sex trafficking, pedophilia, and murder. What? What kind? You know what's? And of course not. This was you know almost a couple of years ago, and and so it was like. Boy, a lot's happened since then. Um, at the time, I was a good bit more naive than I am now. All right. So she said, uh, and she said, let me get off the phone, and I'll. Um, I had a. I, I got to make a call or two, and I'll call you back. So I, you know, I went back to the basketball game that the Celtics lost, and uh, you know, went to bed. <laughs> Next morning, the phone rings at seven oh five. And, you know, I'm up because uh, that's when I write books is early in the morning. And, uh, you know, I answer the phone and sort of said, Jack, I have just been on the phone with the U.S. attorney for Central Tennessee. And I've told him everything, and he wants to talk to you right now. Can you give him a call? I said, oh, yeah, I guess so. And she said, do you know what the... Central, uh, what the um, you you know what the U.S. attorney does, don't you? And of course, <laughs> I said, well, yeah, kind of. You know, I had the measles. Yeah, and she said, it's the number one law enforcement officer in in the state. And I said, okay, that's that's all the answer was. <laughs> Good to know. I said, okay, so I call this man and tell him. Um, in detail, everything that happened, he said, um, I would like for you and Emily uh, to, I would like to have a sit-down interview with her. Um, you know, can, can you arrange that? I said, yes, give me a day and a half and I'll call you back. So I called her and she went ballistic. I can't believe you did that. And I said, you know what we we wanted our, our goal was to get these people 
taken off the streets and for them to pay for what they've done and for these parents who's yeah. wondering all of these kids that are you know that are missing for now for almost 15 years it's like you know oh you know Susie you know we didn't she was 15 and now she'd be 30 and you know maybe she's someplace and has kids and happy I hope that's what she is and she's really dead and you know but she, she wouldn't do it so I ended up um, going to the FBI myself, just me, and sat down with two agents and went through every single thing and left it with them. And you know what they did? I'm afraid Nothing. to guess. Nothing. That was my guess. Not a <laughs> damn thing. I mean, I, I was just like, you know, it's it's like no biggie. Now mm. this man, you know, has like five houses, and of course one of them's in Las Vegas. All of these pedophiles, uh, you know, love Las Vegas. That's just part of you know, that's just part of the shtick for for being that. Now when when Epstein was um, originally. Um, arrested in 2008 in um, Palm Beach County. This scared a bunch of these kind of folks, and so they closed down what they were doing and went deeper underground. Um, so the you know the the restaurant was gone. You know no no you know, sold the you know the uh, you know the biggest state down there. And uh, you know, left the islands and, and and all the rest of it. But that doesn't mean that they stopped doing what they were doing because a sexual predator never changes. They are irredeemable. Now that may be a little Calvinist for your audience, but the you know the depravity is so great. That you know, I, I'm not saying that it isn't um, scripturally possible for them to repent, but de facto, they never, never, never do. So um, well, here I am. Hmm? Well, especially at this level. Yeah. I mean, if, if you're if you're at the level of the the this sort of a person that's a predator and that's a pedophile i mean that that's beyond this isn't some of this just kind of toying with the idea just kind of getting their feet wet kind of seeing what it's like i mean this this is a person that that i mean they they've made an art form out of out of being a predator you know i mean seriously no. i mean not like i, I you know exactly. what i'm trying to say exactly now, um, in uh, let me say in Emily's defense, and uh, this is this is in the book, the Three Commas Club. Also, uh, when she confronted her husband about some of this stuff, and and you know, uh, you know, I'm not going to just sit by for it. He beat her up badly, drunk. Um, kicked her, then used 
a broken bottle to cut open her private parts. Mm. She nearly bled to death, took her to a hospital side entrance so that there'd be no doctors or police involved and had someone sew her up that they that they paid off, which means that they had done that before. And I learned from a psychologist later that that procedure with a broken bottle with those kind of cuts is part of the depravity of what these people engage in. I'd never heard of anything like this before in my entire life. And, you know, but that kind of, but um, that kind of assault would make it very hard. Her fear was real and justified. So right. when, when I, I went to the FBI and, and it went nowhere, for the first time in life, I bought a weapon. I've got a 16-gauge Mossberg shotgun just sitting five feet from where I am right now, and it's loaded and pumped. All it needs to, to do is turn, off the, is turn the switch for anything that would happen. I've never had a gun before in my life, never. Uh, but I had to protect myself. Now, in so doing, when I put this book out, I told all of my Facebook friends and everything, uh, you know, the ones that are reading it, I said, listen, the more of you who who read this, and you know, um, the better off I'll be because uh, you know there will be and and I've I've got like about ten people that I have um, uh, emailed with the with the um, true names in in this in, you know the the what I published you know has um, fake names. And by the way, I'm right. gonna, you know, for, for your audience, um, I, I'm more interested in them knowing the truth about these things than I am in making any money. So I'm gonna offer them the Three Commas Club um, uh, ebook. I, you know, we're gonna put it on your, you know, so that they can just click and, and get a free download of it because I'm really, you know, way more interested in them knowing what happened than in making a couple of bucks. I appreciate that, and I'm I'm looking forward to reading it. Well, I'm glad. So, so here we are, and you know now um, the U.S. the U.S. Attorney, um, since he was uh, a Reagan, not Reagan, sorry, um, a Trump appointee, <laughs> you know, um, isn't he? He's no longer there. They've you know they've got somebody else, and. Um, I think the thing that is the most disappointing to me is the FBI. I mean, I remember when I was a kid watching Zimbalist and the FBI and, you know, thinking it was absolutely the best show and, you know, we're so lucky that we have, you know, the FBI and they're, you know, they're, they're wonderful and they're good people and, you know, um, I, I've heard like Sean Hannity say, well, you know, the the leadership of the FBI may be corrupt, but you know the rank and file, 99% are really good people. I don't believe that anymore. I just don't. My yeah, experience I'm not so sure about that. tells me that it isn't, <laughs> and, and, and this is all. This all makes it pretty scary. But uh, I can tell you the story that I have just relayed to you 
isn't just mostly true. Every single detail is correct. I, I, I went ahead and I also I wrote a screenplay for um, making this a mini series, and you know we're gonna. I've got. You know, I'll throw that in your notes. You know, um, and I'm you know I'm really looking for somebody who wants to you know take this and and, and run with it. Um, and I, these guys are still out there. Yeah. Mm. They're still doing their thing. Before that weekend, when she came home a day before she was supposed to, did did she have a suspicion about this that this was going on? No, um, she wondered why there why there was such high turnover, but right. you know that you know she knew that the that the Magnus Rich and her husband and some of the other people um, kind of behaved like they were gangsters, and they were all into Harleys and stuff like that. She said, but you know that they would do something like that that was crazy, and you know when they had the such high turnover. She said, "Well, I'll just be the you know the hostess. You know, I, I've got no problem doing that." And um, Magnus and her husband laughed. And Magnus said said to her, "No, um, we have specific requirements, and you're way old." And she said, "I'm 35. <laughs> I'm 35. I can't. I'm, I'm so crotchety. I can't take people to their seats in a restaurant. What? What are you talking about?" But um, she didn't really have it all together to, you know, to, and and you know what? You don't want to believe that your husband's involved in, and you're married to somebody who would be involved not just in adultery, yeah. but in pedophilia and in in sex trafficking these people and lots of them dying. Well, and, and people that you're used to, you you just—it's it, hard to imagine. Even even people you don't like, it's hard to imagine they can be involved in this kind of thing. I can I can see that. So but, this wow. is, uh, you know, um, what will happen from this? Uh, you know, I don't know. Uh, a little. I'm less intimidated now than I was when the book first came out because it's been out a little bit and, you know, and I'm still alive. But on the other hand, you, if you don't stand for something that's right and cl as clear as this, yeah. then how can you consider yourself to be a good man? I mean, I, I, well, I remember... You know, the, the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. And, of course, good men means, um, as in mankind, men and women. And in our society, mm -hmm. women stand up better than men at this point. That's for sure. <laughs> well, and this isn't even a gray area. This isn't even a, well... No, 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 this is a gray, no. Man. You know, this, this, this one isn't even a... I'm not really sure if this is bad or not. Well, you know, and I I read through all the reviews on Amazon last night, and it was it, it was interesting to see that the the reviewers were were kind of torn about how they felt about Emily, you know, and and if they were they were okay with her or if they were angry with her, and they they were all very pleased with you that you you brought the story out, but they um 
they many of them were upset with her for waiting so long to say something. Um, yes, and um, you know, I wrote it, so it's from my perspective of how I viewed everything. Right. And um, and I'm a participant in the book, so and and you know it's it's biographical, but also autobiographical. During this time, I you know I didn't have to think long and hard about this. Yeah. This was not a decision that I was like, oh, I need to I need to really go before the Lord and pray about this, you know, and and you know fast and 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 see if I can come up with an answer. I didn't have to do that at all. I mean, it's clear. This isn't, you know, I mean, that's kind of like saying, um, Lord, should, would you, should I commit to adultery or not? I mean, you don't have to ask that question. The answer is clear. <laughs> and, and I felt exactly the same way about this. And as far as, like, Emily was concerned, what happened to her and the fear that she continues to have it, it it's going to keep her it's 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 holding her entire life hostage and until she stands yeah. up against it she's never going to be able to be a free woman never true well she she's still there right she's still there yeah i mean she's still with her husband in 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 no, the no, no, right? no they divorced a long time ago Oh, okay, good. No, she finally divorced him, and, you know, and that's in the book, too. It, it was a really nasty breakup, uh, as you can imagine. He actually came home one night and said, you know, here's what I want. He pulled out a gun and said, get online and pull up a, you know, a divorce, for, for, you know, document, let's fill it out. He held a gun to her to, 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 you know, work out the arrangements for the, for their divorce. And (laughs) without the slightest thought that, uh, well, you can't do that and it'd be legal. (laughs) She got shafted because they, that's how, that's what they do. It isn't just that they don't, that they don't respect women. Their their view of women is really worse than like what happens in Afghanistan. Yeah, I mean, there's there's wow. no. I mean, this is women are a commodity right. to be used and disposed of in any way you are okay with. Mm. Wow. Well, at least she's away from the situation, so that's good. She's away from the situation. That's, that's step one. And, yeah. and yet she's not away from the situation because I've made it public. Right. Well, she's physically so, away from the situation. She's, she <laughs> lives in fear. She's, she's in fear all the time. But Right. And from my perspective, you know, the more people who read this, the safer I am, because it, right. um, it, there's, you know, there's safe. You can either well, be, the thing is, 
they're stupid to do something to you because I mean it's it's very public that you put this out there. So right. I mean, if something were to happen to you, that would be the first place they would look. I would think that law enforcement would look. Well, you you would think, but then again, you know, how many maybe not the FBI, but yeah, how many people have uh, you know? How many associates of Hillary Clinton's have committed suicide? <laughs> a lot. And well, supposedly, Epstein, yeah, yeah. Epstein was murdered. You know that. Oh yeah, I yeah. You know the whole thing but, about that, and people would say, "Oh no, you know, uh, nonsense. He was murdered." And if you just take a look at the news right now, the list from Jelaine Maxwell was supposed to be made public. I think three days ago. Hmm. Okay. Still not one name out there. I haven't seen it yet, so. If this is out there, then the, these names that I'm telling you, and many of them would be the same. I mean, you know, um, major oh, athletes, yeah. uh, major politicians, half of Hollywood. Uh, At least. I mean, there's a, this is... This is massive stuff, mm. really. You know, and it's uh, and you know now that it's that I've written this, I have I'm having people contact me say, you know, I want to tell you my story, and boy, it's I mean it, it's overwhelming. Some of the I mean this is overwhelming. I would never yeah. in my whole life have thought anything like this could have gone on in the United States of America and it not only has but it's out of control and rampant yeah sadly I'm not surprised I wish I was but I'm not and getting less surprised by the day well let me ask you a question uh -oh. you've been doing your your podcast for eight years if I mm -hmm. had, uh, if I had come with this book eight years ago, would you have been surprised then, and not as since you aren't now? Would you have been surprised then? Do you think? Eight years ago, um, slightly more surprised then. Twelve years ago, I would have been stunned. There you go. Eight. Eight years ago, I would have been somewhat Not surprised. Right. Actually, I yeah. agree with that. Yeah. And, you know, that this is, um, that she kept that secret for all that time. And um, really wants to pretend that it's not true now, essentially, by, by saying, oh, you know, um, I... I, you know, just kind of like be flighty about it and withdraw. Well, that's, like I said, I, I think a lot of people have that same mentality. That's why I wanted you to be on the show. Exactly. Yeah. I, she, she, well, and she's seen it. She's seen it firsthand and wants to feel that way. So she's definitely not alone, unfortunately. And, so, and, and she almost I mean, died. She, I mean, yeah. She was cut open and, and bleeding so much that she almost died. And uh, whoever it was that sewed her up um, didn't, I mean, it wasn't a doctor, so they didn't know what they were doing. And she's had gynecological problems ever since. 
Oh, yeah. Well, I've, I've actually heard of that injury. I don't remember where I heard about it, but I, I have heard of people being injured that way. And, wow. It's, but, a, um, it's a common thing yeah. in the pedophile world. Well, that, yeah, that would be a hell of an injury on a woman. I just, I, I mean, I went through cancer treatment and, and all kinds of radiation and all that and can't even imagine that. But... All right. Well, how can how can listeners find out more about you, Jack? How can they find out more about me? Yes, you. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I've I've got twenty five thousand followers on Facebook, so I'm I put stuff out there you. all the time, and um, I've written, I think I've written twenty seven books. So, um, mm-hmm. I've I've I've, and I you know. I've written nine novels. Mm-hmm. Um, I've written um, recovery books uh, because "Hi, my name is Jack" is kind of code. That's my, you know, my autobiography. It's "Hi, my name is Jack" and I'm an alcoholic. So it's um, it's my story. And I've been um, sober for 27 years, which is pretty good record for you know congratulations uh, for an Irishman. <laughs> That's the first time. That was the first time I ever heard of you. Was that Jack, that book? <laughs> oh, really? Well, that I, yep. I think that's what people know me for the most. And then, and I, you know, I've um, I've written some political books, mm-hmm. and I've written numerous memoirs for other people, and three for women, which is really kind of interesting to try and you know to um, think like a woman <laughs> when you're a man. Yeah. You know, and I've, I've been ready to write two for men, and, and I've written a couple for men before, and it is it's 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 funky to get into a the head yeah, of the opposite. It's, it's it's challenging. It's fun. I'm pretty outspoken about about things, but you know, if you if you don't stand for something, you know, you, you know what what value are you? And um, exactly. Everybody's in, there's so many people intimidated in our world today. Yeah, there are. And that, you know, that makes it, um, makes it particularly, particularly hard for us to, the peop- to be the people that we're supposed to be and that God has called us to be. I, I'm just one guy, and, you know, I do what I do and enjoy it, and have no things about having written the three commas glove and putting it out there. Uh, no apology. It was the right thing to do. It was what I committed to do to begin with. And uh, even though um, Emily wanted to um, squelch it, I, you know, I wouldn't do it. And, you know, it cost me a friend she she you know really is angry with me for having done that um but that's not my problem i did what i said i would do and you know i um i hope that we can end up making a mini series out of it uh so that it that's where people will really understand because we live in we live in a world where people don't like to read. True, true. And, and well, now you know, all they have to do 
they, you know, get, get a Kindle and let the Kindle read it to you. Come on, people. Make it easy. Mm-hmm. Well, I, you know, uh, I, hope a lot, I hope a lot of your listeners, uh, you know, just go ahead and download it and, and, and read the book. I, um, you know, they'll, they'll like it, and it gets into a lot of detail. And, there, you know, there's a lot of detail about me, too, in, in, in it because, you know, I am a major participant in it. And um, I can tell you, you know, going to the FBI and sitting down for an hour and a half with two agents um, in a room being taped, you know, they um, all the stories about, you know, how they, you know, um, catch so-and-so lying to the FBI and they charge them and stuff like that. Boy, I mean, I didn't even think about it. I said, you know, listen, this is this is what happened, and boom, 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 boom. Uh, you know, the U.S. attorney wanted me to talk to you, and I'm going to do it. And, yeah, well, that's that's the way to do it. All right. The replay of the Jay Show, the details, and the link to download your copy for a very limited time. You're only going to have that up for a few days, right? Yeah. Okay. That will all be at www.lovecoachjourney.com slash the number three commas. All right. And like I said, the show will replay over the weekend on newvisionsradio.com, and then it will be on the podcast directories and also on my site, lovecoachjourney.com slash the number three commas. So, Jack, thank you very much for being here with me today and sharing the story. And listeners, definitely go right now and download your copy from Jack because it won't be there but for a couple days. So thank you very much for being here. Well, you're, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it immensely. And, you know, um, I guess if I had one thing to say to all of your listeners, it would be keep your eyes open and don't yes. assume people are decent just because they've got a nice smile because it ain't necessarily so. All right, listeners, I'll be with you next time on Ready for Love Radio.